we've been on a journey through the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. We've been talking uh, about uh, hard things, things that are hard to hear as we've dove into this book and we'll continue to do so, and uh, hard things to take, to apply to our lives. And yet the truth is important because it sets us free and it, uh, it uh, releases us. Um, and so uh, here we are today. We're going to continue our discussion as we dive into uh, some more uh, difficult truths. It's been six years since the church was established. Three weeks ago, we talked about how the church began in Acts uh, chapter 18. Uh, it started in the synagogue and in the community, and eventually it moved into a house church next to the synagogue. Paul has spent 18 months there establishing and developing the church. The church is growing and doing quite well. Paul leaves, and as the church continues to grow, uh, opposition kind of rises up. Friction between Paul and the church of Corinth uh, uh, starts to uh, come to a head. Uh, Paul writes a letter to them, trying to correct them. Uh, we lose that letter. Paul writes a second letter. We have that. That's 1 Corinthians, where he's kind of addressing some significant issues. Uh, seems to go well. Paul does a visit in there, and uh, it's a painful visit, a uh, severe visit. He corrects. He writes another letter. We don't have that letter. And, uh, and uh, that severe letter uh, is well-received, and yet uh, there's still this friction between leadership. Paul writes uh, 2 Corinthians, the fourth letter. He chooses not to go back because he feels like if he goes back, it's not to be helpful to the church of Corinth. And so he sends a, a, this letter here. And uh, we learned last, a couple weeks ago that, uh, that, that in the midst of trials, in the midst of affliction, uh, we can look to the God of all comfort to comfort us. We talked about the importance of recognizing that when we are in distress... We need to go to God. And Paul shared uh, a little bit about how even for him, he was in great distress and despaired unto life itself, he says, yet the God of all comfort comforted him. We journeyed a little bit further. We, we talked about his change of mind, some hurt feelings. And then last week we talked about how uh, Paul had instructed the church to deal with an individual who was living a life uh, contrary to the truth of God's word. And Paul had instructed them to dis discipline this individual. Uh, the individual responded and now the church didn't know what to do. And so Paul says, listen, forgive them. Forgive him, I'm sorry. Don't just forgive him, you're to comfort him uh, so that he doesn't despair, so he doesn't uh, fall into great sorrow. Beyond that, he says you need to love him and encourage him and help him uh, back into the fellowship. And we talked about uh, forgiveness. We're going to continue our journey here uh, this morning by reading the next portion of Scripture. Again, this is hard teaching, some tough stuff that we're going to be dealing with here this morning as uh, we get a sense of uh, some instruction that Paul has and some clarity that he brings as he tries to establish himself as an apostle of the church, one who has authority to speak the truth to the people in Corinth who are rejecting him for a bunch of reasons. Here now from God's Word, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians 2, verse 12. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 12. 
When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal processions through us, spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. May God bless the reading of his word here this morning. Let's take a moment to pray, and then we'll dive into this. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that uh, we have resources to help us understand um, the full impact of what Paul is saying. Thank you. Thank you that you directed Paul, and therefore, this is the inspired word of God. May we not take it lightly, but seek to struggle with the things that it teaches and apply it to our lives through the power of your Spirit, through the precious blood of Christ who died on the cross, who is our Redeemer, our Sanctifier. Come, we ask, Spirit of the living God, and fall fresh upon us. May we leave this place knowing that we've encountered you. May we spill over to those who do not know you the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Paul is transitioning in his letter, the introductory point, the kind of the, the cleaning up of some of the past things is now done. He's dealt with some of the issues uh, that were kind of on the front burner, so to speak, and now he's transitioning to the main body uh, of his letter. He's dealing with this issue of apostleship and does he have authority to speak? And that's one of the major themes of the book of 2 Corinthians. And here he's going to uh, uh, subtly or not so subtly express uh, what it means to be an apostle. And he's going to start to unpack this uh, for us. It's important that we understand the whole letter uh, and that we understand this is a part of the whole letter and so they all seem to fit together. Notice here as he begins this transition in his text, he starts off by explaining a little bit about where he is. He says, now when I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ... Uh, even though a door was open uh, for me in the Lord. He begins by explaining where he is. Let's just uh, have a little geography lesson here, a reminder as to where we are. This is sort of the Mediterranean Sea. If we zoom in a wee bit to uh, where we're dealing uh, with primarily, what you'll see is um, uh, Corinth is uh, kind of the circled section down in the bottom left. Uh, Troas, which is where Paul is, is up to the north and to the east. Paul is in Troas. Troas is an important community because it is a uh, a port community. It's a Hellenistic uh, Roman city. Uh, A port was there. It's a strategic place. Lots of things are, 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 are people, I'm sorry, are going through this uh, place. It's a great place to 
spread the gospel of Jesus Christ because people aren't stationary in Troas. It's similar to Corinth in that it's a port city and lots of transitions are happening here. Lots of people are coming through and Paul spends some time in this community. We see him mentioned and the Bible mentioned it on numerous occasions, this uh, important city because it's a city where the gospel can get out. Paul says, now I came to Troas, and he went there with a purpose. He wasn't on a tour. He wasn't, uh, you know, checking out the community, although those are, are, are important and, and not necessarily uh, unimportant things. He, he went there with a purpose. It was to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He went there to declare that Christ had come and that he had died on the cross for our sins and that he had come to set the captives free. That Christ had risen, that he had conquered sin and death. Paul went there with the full intention of preaching the gospel. Now notice what happens next. He he notes that God opened a door for him to, to do this. He says, listen, I went to Troas to preach the gospel, to tell people the good news. And God opened a door for me to do this. Notice that Paul is, is establishing that, 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 that God is at work in the midst of his travels. This, there's two points to this. One, the, the church of Corinth thinks that Paul should be down dealing with them. They're offended that he's up in Troas, that he hasn't come and dealt with them. One reason Paul is saying this is to help them understand that he was in the will of God. God was opening doors for him to express the gospel of Jesus Christ. But, but notice uh, that, that Paul doesn't necessarily respond so well. It says that even though that God had opened doors for him, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. You see, Titus was the go-between between the church of Corinth and Paul. Titus was trying to deal with the issues in Corinth. Paul's in Troas. He's, he, him and Titus are supposed to meet. He's supposed to get an update on what's going on. And all of a sudden, Titus isn't there. And Paul's going, man, this isn't good. I wonder how the church of Corinth is doing. I, I'm struggling here. And the weight and the pressure of the church of Corinth starts to bear down on him. And it starts to consume him, and and he's not able to do the thing that he had set out to do in Troas, which is preach the gospel. He had gone there to preach the gospel, and, and he just hadn't gone there on his own accord. He had gone there, and God had opened doors for him that he would be successful in preaching the gospel. But the pressure and, and the weight of the church in Corinth is weighing him down. Titus isn't there, and, and all of a sudden, Paul's starting to struggle with doing the very thing that he had been called to do, the very thing that God had opened doors for him. He's starting to struggle with this. He's battling. He wants to preach the gospel, but he's battling. Why is he battling? Friends, it's because there's a group of leaders that have established themselves in the church of Corinth. They're calling themselves apostles. They're they're saying that they have authority to speak and to lead. Signs and wonders are happening. Dramatic things are happening. And the church of Corinth is slowly following their lead. And they're rejecting Paul. Paul's starting to feel the weight of this. We learn about them. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, Now some have come among you and they're proclaiming another Jesus. This is a common theme in uh, New Testament times. You, you see the exact same thing in, in, in Galatia when Paul uh, writes to the church of Galatians in 1 verse 9. He says, listen, if someone comes and preaches a different gospel than the one we preach, let him be accursed. It's the same idea. He says, listen, some have come among you. They're proclaiming another Jesus than the one we proclaimed. If you receive a different spirit from the one that you received, or if you've accepted a different gospel from the one that you accepted, you put up with him readily enough. Indeed, I consider, Paul goes on to say, I consider that I'm not in the least inferior to these super apostles. See, there's this contrast here. Paul's feeling the weight of this leadership that's sweeping into the church of Corinth. Titus isn't there to, to bring peace. Paul's in Troas. He should be preaching the gospel. And, and, and uh, uh, God has opened doors for him. And yet he can't do it because he's so concerned about the church of Corinth. These super apostles, they're leading him astray. He says, look, I'm not inferior to them. No, I'm not. As a matter of fact, these are false apostles, he goes on to say. They are deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. Huh. See, Paul is starting to lay the groundwork here in chapter 2, verse uh, 14, with, with, with the truth about what is an apostle. See, see, we get these images of how a leader should lead. We get this image of what an apostle would be. We tend to focus on the dramatic, and we sometimes forget the reality. And sometimes uh, it leads us astray. See, Paul is working here on a paradox He's unpacking some paradox. What's a paradox? Well, uh, Webster's Dictionary, Miriam Webster's Dictionary, she says this about a paradox. It's a statement that is seemingly contradictory or opposed to common sense, and yet it perhaps is true. It's self-contradictory, a statement that at first seems true. It's an argument that apparently derives self-contradictory conclusions by valid deductions from acceptable premises. There's a paradox here with Paul. What's the paradox? Well, all throughout the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, there's all kinds of them. There's suffering and triumph. That's one of the paradoxes that, that Paul exposes. Another one is life and death, that we have uh, eternal life and that we live in the life of Christ, and yet we are walking dead. There's a paradox here. God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. Throughout 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you, you, you get a sense that God is sovereign, and yet there's a responsibility that we have. It's a paradox. How can it be? There's boasting and humility. Paul talks about how he boasts, and yet he's humble. How can this be? And the paradox that we see here in chapter 2, verse 14, is power and weakness. As an apostle who leads with authority and power, yet he's so weak. Paradox. See, when he came to Troas to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, God opened doors for him. 
He opened doors for him to proclaim the gospel. And, and here Paul says, listen, God opened these doors for me, but my spirit was not at rest. I was stirred within. I was struggling with what was happening in Corinth because I wasn't finding Titus. And so I, I, I couldn't handle it. I couldn't deal with it. So I took leave and I headed up to Macedonia. I love the transparency here. I love his openness, his authenticity. I love that he's sharing his failures. See, for the church of Corinth, they, 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 they wouldn't accept this kind of behavior from an apostle. No, a super apostle holds it all together. A super apostle uh, does everything right. A super apostle, I mean, they are dramatic. What's this weakness? What do you mean God opened doors for you? What do you mean you, 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 you didn't find Titus and so you, you, you abandoned the mission and headed off to Macedonia? What, what are you talking about? What kind of apostle are you? I love that Paul doesn't wear masks. He just says the truth. And in essence, he allows the church of Corinth to deal with it. I love that he exposes his failure his weakness, his struggles. And he doesn't, he doesn't hedge it. You know, I, I, I've, I've been in these spots where I know God opens a door and, and I cower. And sometimes when I share those experiences with others, people are so quick sometimes to say, oh, come on now, Scott. No, no, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Or, 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 or maybe God didn't want you. No. He, he just lays it out there. He, he doesn't make an excuse for why he uh, didn't. He doesn't say this was God's plan and he shifted and I should have been up in Macedonia. He just says it like it is. In my weakness, I, I couldn't do it. I, I headed north to Macedonia. This would go against everything that the super apostles would have stood for. Where's Macedonia? It's up north. It's up in the northern quadrant. It's a province. It, it's a province that uh, Paul heads up to. <laughs> and there he recoups, regenerates. See, he went to Troas to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and doors were opened to God, uh, uh, opened by God for, from, from the Lord to, to proclaim the gospel, to do the ministry. But his spirit was not at rest. And so, so he leaves and heads to Macedonia. I love this authenticity. Friends, we, we don't need to pretend. Uh, nor should we ever settle, but, but we don't need to pretend. We, we don't need to um, repackage our failures. The blood of Christ is sufficient. In our weakness, he's made strong. We can lean on him in the midst of our failures. And he will give grace and mercy. He will. We don't have to pretend God is keenly aware of our weakness. And it's when we come clean, it's when we are open and honest and transparent about our brokenness and uh, about how, how we are dealing with things. It's when, it's when we are open and transparent that God is able to then enter into a ministry. In our weakness, we're made strong. 
Paul begins to lay the groundwork of dismantling the super apostles. He begins to lay the groundwork of expressing who he truly is. And the contrast will be Paul and these false teachers. These false teachers who have stepped in, these false teachers who are preaching a different gospel, these false teachers who, who are, are, are uh, encouraging a different spirit, Paul comes in and he lays bare his weakness. Ah. If we keep reading, verse 14, he unpacks this a little bit further. He helps the church of Corinth to understand. Notice what he says, but thanks. But thanks be to God. It's connecting the two ideas. Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in a triumphal procession. Even though I fail, listen, Christ doesn't. Even though I, I uh, don't measure up, Christ is always leading a triumphant person. Now, now, friends, this is shocking. This would have been difficult for the church of Corinth to accept. What is this triumphant procession? That Paul's referring to. In the Roman world, everyone knew what this was. It was when the Romans had conquered a land, a people group, a, a foe, an enemy. They, they would come back and celebrate their great victory in the community. The general who led the battle would often ride on a chariot. And there would typically be one horse that was white amongst the four. And everyone would celebrate the general's great victory, his conquest. Antiquity says there would have been over 300 of these kinds of victories in the days of Rome. Everyone was keenly aware of this process. When the boys went to war and came back with the victory, they'd have this big parade, this big celebration, and the general would lead it in. The picture that Paul is drawing in the hearts and minds of those who are gathered in the church of Corinth is that Jesus Christ is the general, and that he has conquered the enemy. He has won. When he died on the cross, he paid him full for all our sin, guilt, and shame. When he rose from the grave, he became the conquering victor. He's the general. And so even though Paul fails, even though Paul isn't able to measure up, even though Paul runs up to Macedonia and God's opening doors here, listen, the general never fails. But the picture that Paul is drawing in the hearts and minds of those who would gather to, to listen to the reading is not so pretty. You see, when the general would come in with, with his uh, uh, victory parade, what would happen is first the soldiers who had survived the battle would, would come in and, and there would be a, a celebration to all the soldiers and, and, and the ones that had, had done special things or had gone beyond the call, they, they would get extra accolades. 
And then there would be the spoils of the war that would, that would follow those soldiers and everyone would be celebrating. Going, yes, this is great. And then they would only go so far and then they, they would, they would uh, 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 um, sacrifice a bull to their gods. For he gave the victory. And then people would walk in the parade with scent and, and incense and, and, and the aroma of victory would be everywhere. And then, friends, all those who were captured would follow. And they would follow bound and chained. And they would go to their death. A public execution of those who were leaders of that community that had been conquered, princes and kings. Paul is pointing to this parade, and he's saying, here's the good news. Jesus Christ the Lord is our general, and he is one. He's leading a parade. And we're in it. And then he specifically hones down in these verses to the apostle. And the picture that he draws for the apostle is the captive. The captive. What Paul is saying is, I'm captive. Friends, the imagery is throughout the New Testament. Friends, we were all enemies of God. That's what Paul says in Romans. While we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. <laughs> in essence, we've been captured by our great Savior and Lord. Isn't that good news? And he leads us. And for the apostle, as Paul kind of hones in on this, this imagery is found, and he goes on to say, thanks be to God, who in Christ leads us in this triumphant procession. He's the general. He's the one who's leading this, and, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Through us, we are the fragrance. We're the knowledge of him. For I think that God has exhibited us I'm sorry, I, I, I got ahead of myself. The us is the apostles. Now, now what's Paul's picture of this? Now, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and Paul sort of expresses what it means to be an apostle for Jesus Christ. And it's not comfortable. And so this imagery of Paul being a, a, a captive of Christ, going to his death, it, it, that imagery has is, is been presented in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 when he explains and talks about him and Apollos and how they are apostles. He says, I think that God has exhibited us apostles as the last of all. See, Paul's understanding of apostleship was that he was a servant to everyone. He wasn't the first. He wasn't the one who was high and mighty. No, he was the last of all. He goes on to explain a little bit further that, 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 that we are like men sentenced to death. Paul, when he, when he received his invitation to follow Christ on the road to Damascus, Jesus Christ the Lord says to him, you will suffer much for the sake of the gospel as you go to the Gentiles and proclaim. 
See, Paul understands that, that being an apostle means suffering. It means death, dying to ourselves and living in Christ. This, this paradox, again, comes screaming to us. They are exhibited last of all, even though they are the leaders. We have become a spectacle to the world, a spectacle to the world, to the angels and to the men. If you read verse 10 and verse 11 and 12, he unpacks this even more about the role of the apostle. Do you want to sign up? <laughs> it's, it's not easy. It's a high calling with a high cost. He goes on to say this. When slandered, we entreat. We, become, we have become and are still like the scum of the world. The refuse of all things. The apostle. See, Paul's beginning to help the church of Corinth understand that these super apostles are contrary to the gospel that they have been preached. Contrary to what, what, what Christ has called, these super apostles are in opposition to Paul. Paul's setting the stage. He says, this is who I am. I am the one who is being led by the general, Jesus Christ, the Lord. He leads us in a triumphant pro procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. See, in those parades, in those gatherings, the smell of incense, the smell uh, of sacrifice would have been everywhere. It would have permeated the, the, the streets in the community. And Paul's saying, listen, when, when, when Jesus Christ the Lord leads this, this uh, celebration, this victory parade, there is this smell, this knowledge of him, that he is the victor. Then he goes on to say this, we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved. We are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved. Nothing like being around godly people. Huh? Yeah, you, you just want to uh, drink it in. <sighs> That's what he's saying here. When, when you're around godly people, when you're around people who sacrifice much for the sake of the kingdom, that, that it brings life. But to those who are perishing, to those who have not received Christ, to those who don't recognize the general as Jesus Christ the Lord, what is he saying? He's saying to those, they're perishing, the fragrance of death to death is theirs. Death to death. To others, the fragrance of life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word. But as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Paul's trying to help the church of Corinth to understand what it means to follow Christ, what it means to be an apostle. That there's a high price, a high cost. You know, for us, we may not be apostles. 
And yet the words of Paul in Romans 12.1 seems to ring true to us, doesn't it? Where Paul says to the church of Rome, I appeal to you, therefore. I urge you, I beg you, I appeal to you. My brothers, he's speaking to the believer. He's speaking to those who, who choose Christ, my sisters. I appeal to you. I, I don't demand it. I don't command it. I invite you. I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God. How do we do this? Well, we can't do it on our own strength. We can't do it by our own gumption. No, no, no. It's by God's mercy. He gives us mercy to present yourself, your bodies, as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice, but alive, surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ in all circumstances, irregardless of the cost or price. I urge you, I beg you, therefore, brothers, therefore, sisters, by God's mercy, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. I love that. Wait a minute, though, Pastor Scott. I'm not acceptable. I'm a mess. I've done this. I've done that. Has that not disqualified me? No. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, set apart, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of service. That's the picture Paul's painting. That we'd be a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God. Friends, where are you today? These are hard things to hear, especially in our day and time when there's such opposition to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it may be one thing to hear and to go, yes, yes, amen, but to take it and to apply it. How can we but do that by the mercy of God? Let's stand together. And so, Lord, you know our hearts. You know our victories and our failures. Father, you know when we're pretending. When we mask our mistakes with spirituality, when we mask our shortcomings and don't come clean, forgive us, God. When we allow pure pressure the affirmation of people to be placed above you. Forgive us, oh God. Help us in our weakness to come to you and allow you to be our strength. God, you are the general. Jesus Christ, you are Lord. And this is your parade, not ours. And so help us, we ask. Help us by your mercy and grace, by the righteousness of Christ, be holy and acceptable living sacrifices for the sake of the kingdom. In Jesus' name.